and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean and I'm joined as always by Chaff. Chaff, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. And Ryan is with us as always. Ryan, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. And Luke is with us as well. Luke, how are you today, mate? Very well, thank you, Dean. Very well indeed. <laughs> Injecting some much-needed optimism into this podcast, I think. Uh, <laughs> so, we're looking back on Dale's last two games, starting with the three-draw three, three draw with Wigan Athletic last Saturday, followed up by a 1-0 defeat away to Doncaster Rovers on Tuesday night. Uh, Chaff, we'll kick off with that, with that draw against Wigan, and it was another crazy game, wasn't it? It, it meant that there were 20 goals scored across... Um, three Dale games, which is incredible, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um, and yet we've not we, we've only benefited three points from it, so it's it's, it's hard, really. It, you see us scoring as many goals as we do or have done, um, and then it, I just find it infuriating at the amount of goals that we concede as well. So, and but people say it's exciting, and it is, but that's for the neutral, and we're not neutral. I'd much rather see us show up in defence. Um, yeah, but it's been mad. That that Wigan game was uh, was a big missed opportunity. Yeah, Ryan, it, it was another uh, game without a victory at home as well, um, which means I think we've now won one of 15 at home in all competitions. Um, does that actually matter as much this season? Obviously, there's no supporters in the ground, so there's, there's not that sort of uh, backlash from, from fans. But does it matter where we're picking up the points as long as we get enough to stay up, whether they're at home or not? Not at all. Um, I think home and away form goes out the window completely. I think I think as long as you get the points, it doesn't matter where you're getting from at this moment in time. Um, I think when BBM and Owen O'Connell came on, they said, you know, the, the impact of fans isn't necessarily felt on the pitch. Um, and if anything our home form might not be any different with the away crowds we might get in League One and the atmosphere that Rochdale fans create at home genuinely, well, you can't call it an atmosphere, can you? Because there isn't one, unless we're losing and we start booing. So I don't think it makes a massive difference. I think it's frustrating, but I almost don't understand the obsession with it either because you're not having to go. It's not like you're going every week, so I don't really understand the massive frustration. Um, so yeah, I think if we won every away game and lost every home game, it wouldn't matter a job to me. I'm going to disagree with you there, Ryan, because I think psychologically within the club it becomes an issue. Um, so the, the players will be very well aware that they just can't seem to to win at home. And I think psychologically it becomes an issue for them as well as the supporters. And obviously you've got the supporters on the, the, the Facebook, the Twitter, the forum. Um, Bleating on about the home form, and I think it does become. Like I said I think it does become an issue, and I think any other season, and I know it's not. I know this is not any other season by any stretch of the imagination, 
um, and any other manager would probably be under massive pressure because of the the, the, the home form, regardless of the, the fans. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's obviously played on, BBM's mentioned it, although he's had to because he's been asked about it by mainly Rich Partington, I think, in the press. Um, and I think we saw on Saturday it's getting to the players because that first half was abysmal and it looked like desperation. There were a lot of direct long balls, which I know quite a lot of people have asked for, but it was shite to watch. So I think it's obvious that it's playing on bare minds, but it, I don't care, basically. I don't think it's like a, a home and away kind of thing. I don't think it's anything to do with being at Scotland or anything like that. I think it's it, it, it's more in lies with how the opposition set up, and that's where we struggle. Not many oppositions set up to defend when they're at home, um, especially against us, who most teams will look at us and think that they can get something out of a game against. I think it's more so about finding ways to break down um, break down the teams that play a certain way when they come away from home. Luke, do you think those three games, uh, I suppose they've sort of come to an end now after a bit of a drab affair against Doncaster on Tuesday, but those three games beforehand that were so open and so high scoring, do you think that was a plan from BBM to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more open? Or do you think it was just a case of three pretty crazy games? Um, I, I would say a bit of both, Dean. I, I'd say that probably I think BBM looks at it and goes, probably attacking is our best form of defending at this moment, given the personnel that we've got and, and kind of how dangerous we do look when we're attacking. Um, so it is kind of we'll score more goals than the, we'll try and score more goals than the opposition because I don't think we're at that stage where we can rely on keeping clean sheets um, and, and nicking a goal to, to win a game. That's just we're a million miles away from that kind of performance, I think. So it is a case of, you know, um, being open, expansive in a bid to actually outscore the opposition. Um, especially when our injuries are at the back. You know, we've, we've got big big key players out missing at the back. And I think that, you know, we might as well go for it rather than, you know, sit on defending something when we haven't really got the personnel or method of playing really to kind of do that. Chaff, as Luke sort of mentioned there about the fact that we maybe don't have uh, the personnel to, to sit back on a lead at the minute, but at the same time, it's still really frustrating the the amount of goals we conceded and the manner of goals that we conceded as well. I mean, those first two, especially against Wigan for me. I know there was a lot of uh, disappointment about the third one. I thought Roberts was slightly unlucky, to be honest. I didn't think he could get round his man. But the second one in particular was really, really poor, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's just I just find it really frustrating watching us try and defend, um, especially because we can't. We just every time attack us, I think we're going to concede, and it shouldn't be like that. It's regardless of who's in net, regardless of who's at the back, because just as a unit, we 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 struggle. Um, and I know we we we're always going to struggle more without O'Connell, and. To an extent, McShane, even though what you don't have, you don't miss. Um, but every time McNulty is on the pitch, for example, I never think we're going to win the game. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just frustrating. That yeah, the second goal, awful, absolutely awful. Ryan, I, I'll come to you to maybe add. I don't know a little bit of positivity. Did you see it as 
maybe a good point given the circumstances or in hindsight is it slightly disappointing given that we're going into the game we all felt it was an opportunity to get all three I think the way the game went is obviously a good point in the end because McNulty's completely let his teammates and the club down with that stupid red card in the first half um, I know we were behind but I think we saw a a different team in the second half of the way we played obviously getting Beasley and Humphreys a bit closer together was key I think the disappointment from that was it was the same a week before so I don't understand why we didn't start like that but um, yeah the way the game went it was obviously a good point and there was a real you know we were talking last week about the goal you celebrated the most and that Humphreys header would have been up there um, and I think they were probably disappointed we didn't win because I don't know if you saw the goal come from that, but Robert sprinted into the net to get the ball to go back to the halfway line, and they obviously, you know, wanted to wanted to win that. So, yeah, it was a good point in the end, but at the same time, we can look back on that and think we probably had enough chances in that second half to to win it. Even Luke, did you see us getting anything from the game after after the red card? I mean, we were already behind, but Wigan, we knew Wigan were sort of suspects at the back, given the performance he put in against us in the reverse fixture. Did you still think the game was sort of there to be won at that point or were you surprised with the way we responded in the second half? No, I think it was. Um, I think as soon as we kind of when, you know, watching the first five to ten minutes of that second half, we, we were looking better with Beasley and Humphreys uh, being closer together. We were looking more dangerous. Um, obviously, McLaughlin coming on at half-time definitely made, made a difference for us as well. Wigan, Wigan were always going to be there to to be got at. You know they had such a young team. Yes, they had some they had some dangerous players in. You know predominantly kind of going forward, but um, they weren't. You know they were there to be got at. They were they were vulnerable, and you could see. You know when before the game when they're naming four subs on the bench and they're all kids, that suggests to me that they're in they're in pretty you know dire straits at the minute, and um, even with the man less. You know, knowing the quality that we've got, knowing kind of you know the the goal streak that we've been on of late, um, it, the game was still there to be kind of you know um, won really, but um, but yeah, for us to take something from it, um, definitely. What I would say about Wigan is I think we're judging them off the game we played against them a few weeks ago when we hammered them, but I think if you look at the form just before and since then. They're actually they're doing all right and the tight games. I think I mentioned last week they beat Burton, who went over bottom, but they beat another a couple of teams around us and they're not in the worst form. And I didn't play for a couple of weeks, but either side of our five nil, they they've had a couple of decent results. So yeah, judge them off that five nil, but judge them off judge judge them off the form as well. I think what most people would say to that though is that they, they are still you know a relegation candidate. And, and obviously, there's a reason for that. The, I, I know what you mean, though. The, the result. I don't think the. I don't think they've lost that distance with eating five nil. So maybe speaks to your point a bit. Chaff, let's touch on that red card. I know we sort of have already, but a really, really terrible moment from McNulty. I know you were among many who were sort of infuriated with it um, at half time and full time. But also, he was having a dreadful game anyway, wasn't he? So many pointless, aimless long balls and. In the end, were we actually better without him? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, it's just, he winds me up. Somewhat chronic. 
him, Greenley and Dawn wind me up. Um, he only knows one way to play, and he seems to think he's Craig Dawson, and the fact that he, can, he, he thinks he can ping a ball, and he just can't at all. And we've already got Marley doing that. So what's the, what's the need for it? And the red card, find him as much as you can. And it's, it's so unprofessional. And it's it just must... I couldn't believe what I was seeing from him. Because I expect I don't expect McNulty to pull up any trees in any performance. And I always expect a mistake out of him. But I don't expect him to do that. I've never seen that side of him before, ever. And that's what was so surprising to me. And that's what has angered me so much. Because the guy's mid-30s. I didn't think we were going to win the game before we got sent off. And it certainly didn't think we'd win the game, uh, we'd, we'd get anything out of the game after he went off. So for him to go and do that and leave us in the lurch like that is absolutely inexcusable and unforgivable. And I've not been, I said this to you, I've not been as angry at a red card of one of our own since Neil Trotman got sent off at Oldham. And I never wanted him to play for the club ever again after that. And I don't want McNulty to. Um, even Ian Henderson getting sent off at Wigan um, a few years ago when you saw it 10 yards before it happened, he was going to do that. Um, I was I, McNulty's angered me more. Because it, it, the area of the pitch it's in, they're right in front of their bench. What did he think was going to happen? It's absolutely brain dead. And no, I, I can feel myself getting wound up even more here now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's fair enough though the circumstances are incredible for our most seasoned pro to be doing that when he knows as well that you know there's no McShane or O'Connell to step in for him even off the bench or in, in the next game and also from his point of view as well like he must be running out of chances to play football league matches now he, he's reaching that stage of his career and he's sort of you know, thrown away an opportunity to show that he was still capable of getting in the team and, and making a difference. And instead, I, I think most fans would agree that they don't really want to see him in the team anymore, which is, you know, a sad state of affairs because he has at times been, you know, a, a decent squad member. I don't think he's ever been one of our better players, but he's always sort of, he's always, like you say, you wouldn't have expected something like that from him. And that's why it's so frustrating for us all. Ryan, on a, again, on a slightly more positive note, um, I suppose the, uh, the the real standout for us on the positive side was the fact that both Humphreys and Beasley combined well again, both got on the score sheet. I mean, Humphreys looks like an incredible signing, even more impressive with pretty much every game he plays. Yeah, I think they both complement each other really well. I think Humphreys' ability on the ball and his physicality holding the ball up, um, even winning stuff in the air now, which he weren't doing in his previous spell. But I think we've all seen he doesn't, not he doesn't want to, but you, you almost don't want him chasing down the defenders and the fullbacks, which Beasley's happy to do all day long because if he gets tired, you don't miss much from him because he's not the most technically capable. Um, but what he does do is the ugly side and, you know, he'll, he'll chase down and run all day. Um, and yeah, really brave from him. He's a brave player, isn't he? So, to go up for that header after what happened at Plymouth was just, I wouldn't have done it. I certainly wouldn't have done it. 
You so. would have done it at the best of times, right? <laughs> <laughs> so for him to go up and do that was, was really impressive. But Humphreys, yeah, he just, he just looks like the longer he stays at the club, he's going to score so many goals for us. So, yeah, he's just a really impressive pairing and two more good signings from BBM, which we're sort of getting used to, aren't we? Luke, one of the sort of discussions surrounding that performance from Humphreys afterwards was whether you'd rather have Humphreys or Hendo in your squad at the minute. Where do you stand on that? Well, it's a tricky one because I, I genuinely had deep, deep love for Ian Henderson. <laughs> uh, so it's, um, it, it's hard, but in hindsight now, you know, um, knowing what we know, knowing what we've got with Humphreys, um, it's been a good swap, if you like. Um, we've got ourselves a striker who's probably a bit more well-rounded, um, given Anderson's coming towards the end of his career. He offered a little bit less um, outside of scoring goals for us, whereas Humphreys is that all-round kind of um, striker. Really, he's got he's got a bit of everything. Um, like like Rice said, I think kind of physically in the uh, the reading of the game. I, 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 He's so much more improved in comparison to that first spell with us. Um, and it, it makes him, you know, um, a sellable asset for us, given given how well he's doing. Um, and obviously getting goals as well, in, you know, with some good performances. Um, I think everyone's enjoying Humphreys. Everyone's enjoying what he brings. Um, and, and long may it continue. Um, comes across like... I don't. Know, I always sense that he was playing with a bit of chip, like a bit of a chip on his shoulder when he was with us first time around. Like he almost he was hard done to in games, but um, with his body language and what have you. But now it's almost like he's a bit more of a leader. I kind of sense that he's a bit of a leader in the team as well, which um, which is great, you know. And, and kind of maybe stuff that you, you don't normally see, you know, beyond the goals and, and the good performances. Um, so yeah. Just so impressed with how he's doing, and in comparison to Endo, yes, Endo left under a cloud, and that you know that was really disappointing. Uh, I think it does play parts to a certain extent with regards to um, looking back and reflecting on the career he had with us. But um, in com- you know, on reflection, very much kind of um, very happy with how we've gone about our business. Yeah, I think on Humphreys, I think we'd all like to see him stay for you know, years to come. But I think in terms of, like Luke said, saleable asset, I think we could make a load of money on him because I remember when BBM came on and he said probably the reason we were able to get him rather than someone higher in the league was the fact that, yeah, he was a good player, but he'd never had that goal-scoring record that would make a Sunderland or an Ipswich go and sign him. Whereas now, if he keeps scoring goals for us, that'll stand out to a lot of the bigger boys. And yeah, I think, a striker like that who scores goals for a team like Rochdale down at the bottom, at the age he is, you're talking big money, aren't you? Yeah, although hopefully no time soon because uh, we want to keep him for a little bit longer, get a few more goals under his belt before he can move on, I suppose. Um, Chaff, I, I think one other major positive for me was the performance of Ryan McLaughlin when he came on at half-time. Obviously, he got the assist for the Humphreys equaliser in injury time as well. And it's a real shame that we can't get a consistent run of games out of him because when he plays, he really is a, a quality fullback for this level. Yeah, I'd agree, 100%. Um, 
it's just a shame we can't keep him fit in it because you look at like for example now he's played on Tuesday and now don't expect him to play Saturday and it it would make us weaker if he doesn't because um, he, he's the only fullback that we've got that I have confidence in to get forward and be able to create anything uh, as well as be able to defend um, he's much more attack minded um, than the other options we've got and we've, we've, we've seen it we, we've not seen it enough but the times that we have seen it he, he gets up there and he creates it's just keeping him on the pitch and I know he said that he's he's over his the issue that he had um, long term last season, which is great, but we're still not seeing enough of him. Um, and for me, if he's if he's fit, I know we've got to wrap him in cotton wool, but if he's fit, he's got to play for me. He's got to be a starter. Um, and it's just it's a balancing act of whether we've got value for money or not, because obviously there was a. It raised eyebrows when BBM re-signed him in the summer after releasing him because everyone would have had McLaughlin down as being the first name on the release list just because of the fact that he's, he, he missed so much of last season from injury and he's had injury problems for a long, long time. But in terms of actual ability, I thought he was outstanding when he came on. Um, I think he's, I think he was good on Tuesday night um, and... Yeah, uh, the, the the more you see of him, the more you realise how much better than the other options we've got he is. 100%. And hopefully we can add someone on the other side as well that, of a similar standard. Um, Ryan, one last thing I wanted to touch on uh, from, from the Wigan game was Stephen Dooley, who also came off the bench but missed um, an absolute sitter at 2-2 that could have put us ahead and maybe could have given us a chance of winning the game. And it's so frustrating because he actually played quite well and got quite a lot of praise afterwards, but it seems to kind of sum Dooley up that even when people want to praise him, there's a there's always a but, isn't there? Yeah, there is. He's, he's got a score. Um, I think we were probably all up off our seat at the time. and That's the thing. He, he tends to look quite pretty on the ball a lot of the time, but the, the end product's just not there. And it's rare you see him set up a goal or score a goal. And you need more than that from from a player like him, whether he's playing in midfield or out on the wings. So you sort of, yeah, we're probably all up and it's a sitter, but you sort of weren't expecting him to score either, were you? <laughs> so we've got to do better. I think there's been a few, though, haven't there, all season from different players. But that one was a, I think if he scores that, we're going to win the game. Yeah, I, I think I agree, to be honest. Um, I think you, you make a good point about him looking pretty on the ball as well. Everyone who I speak to who watches us as a neutral or as an opposition fan always sort of pinpoints him as like, oh, he's a really good player. And I think he does look like a really good player. But when you watch him every week, you realise how literally affects the game. And it, it, those sort of nice passes, nice technique, they stand out when you're a, an opposition fan and only watching him once. But Obviously, he doesn't quite do enough um, to justify his place in the squad, if we're being honest. But, Luke, uh, moving on to the defeat at Doncaster, and I'll stick with Dooley because he actually had quite a good game. But again, there's another but, and that was in the second half. His performance seemed to tail off a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought he was one of our better players in the first half. Um, he looked quite energetic. He kept the ball well when it looked like, you know, um, we were going to lose it. Um, and he looked quite creative. Um, it was funny, weren't it? Because as we were talking, because the patience has been lost with the likes of Dooley and Matt Dawn and what have you, if they don't do something that impresses you every time, it's kind of like, oh, for fuck's sake, Dooley. Um, but if you're just looking at it from a blank canvas, he, I think he did actually play well. Um, yeah, tailed off second half. Could that be down to fitness? He's not played loads and loads, I suppose. But um, I think we, I think that was consistent with the rest of the team though in that second half. I think we we did lose, we did look, you know, ten twenty percent down on it on energy levels um, because I thought we could have nicked something if we just had that kind of. Um, I was going to say desire, but I, I think it was more physical kind of, you know, capability rather than actual desire. Chaff, would you agree with that? I mean, we did seem to lack creativity, a little bit of energy, I suppose. With such a small squad, there is going to be fatigue and I suppose that, that did play a part on Tuesday night. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest example of that was, um, was Stephen Humphreys, um, especially second half. He... I know we said on the, the watch-along that it looked like he was carrying a knock, and I'd, I'd agree with that, because uh, if, it, if it's fatigue, then fair enough, but we weren't going for... He, him especially wasn't going for, for challenges that are... He wasn't as explosive as, you'd ex, as we've seen of him. He wasn't, he wasn't driving as much. He wasn't being as physical as he has been. And I think just as a, as a unit, we looked a little bit leggy, um, probably for the last 20 minutes. Uh, I don't think we had a good second half at all. I agree with Luke that, that Steve, as much as as much grief as I've given him, Stephen Dooley was actually one of our better players for staff. Um, he just, like you said, he just doesn't offer enough. 80, nearly 80 games he's played now and we're not at double figures for how many good ones he's had. Um, but yeah, I thought we were just, we just looked leggy and it probably caught up with us a little bit. The, uh, the last few weeks has probably caught up with us a little bit, and we're obviously we're light on numbers as well. Um, so players are being asked to do more anyway. Yeah, it was a. We didn't look like getting back into it really in that second half. I don't think. Ryan, does some credit have to go to Doncaster for that? Um, because they they defended very well once they had the lead, and although they weren't exactly the most exciting team to watch, they did close the game out very well. Um, Got my notes here that they seem to pinpoint our our um, our key threats very well, which is pretty obvious, isn't it? Humphreys and Barra, the two main standout threats from us, uh, and both of them were marked out of the game by what was a a pretty strong Doncaster defence. Yeah, they were very solid. Um, I think they normally are. We've got a good manager, and you know Darren Moore is managing the Premier League, and I thought he did did a good job. To be fair, when he took over at West Brom and. I think since they tend to always be up there. I watched them last season. I went to watch them and they were good then. Um, they obviously lost Whiteman, so I thought it was a bit of an opportunity. Um, but they were just so solid. And I noticed a bit of a change around in the defence. I think in recent weeks, the right-hand side of the defence has looked really weak. And when I saw a couple of clips, I was excited to see Barr on that left-hand side. But 
it looked like for Tuesday we'd swap the centre halves and had Tom Anderson at right centre half and I thought he did a job. He did a job on Barr, he did a job on Humphreys. Um and I just thought every time Barr got the ball, they were doubling up, sometimes three on one. Um Humphreys didn't get a sniff. Um I thought the key area for us in that game was the midfield. I don't think we necessarily he defended very well in midfield. I just think that we didn't have the players in there to make a difference in terms of creativity. Um, but yeah, they were very solid. They're, they're going to win everything in the air at the back because look at the size of them. And yeah, I was impressed. And I think they'll be in the playoffs at least, hundred percent. Yeah, there hasn't been a team yet for me. I don't think that we've played, and I've been surprised at how high they are. Doncaster are another example, but I think in more early in the season was really impressed with both Lincoln and Hull, and I think they're still the top two, aren't they? So it seems like we, we sort of a. Uh, it seems like we're struggling against the top teams this time around again, which is understandable, really. Uh, Luke, we'll, we'll mention Barr again. Um, it was a pretty poor display, if we're being honest, from him on Tuesday night. Like Ryan said, he was sometimes three-on-one, but does he need to be a little bit cleverer? Because when he's three-on-one, that should mean that there's space for some other players. And quite often, he, he was just sort of head down and, and run rather than looking up and trying to, trying to find a man in space. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, it's quite refreshing to see someone like Barr kind of pick the ball up in parts of the pitch and, and wanting to have a run at the opposition, no matter where it is. Um, but I think at this level, there very much is a time and a place. Um, and you want him to be doing that in the final third. Um, and I think it's part of his development. It's, it's kind of, you know, there's been a lot of talk of him recently, and, and rightly so. And teams have cottoned on, and you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that they were very, very, very sharp on on getting on closing him down, um, to the point where really there was only really one point in the second half where he got one and one, and when he did get one and one, he actually, you know, he skinned the right back. Um, and yet, it, it's a part of his game that I think will come with experience, where he needs to kind of um, make a better decision. Than, than kind of, you know, his go-to plan A. Uh, and sometimes that might mean the pass, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to get it back. You've got to kind of manipulate the ball to create a situation for Bar where it's one-on-one. So in part, Bar's going to have to learn individually. And I think in part, you know, if we can kind of, and I'm sure we probably do work on it in training really when it comes to playing to our strengths, um, we've got to manipulate the ball to, from one side to the other. Um, to kind of create those situations for Bar, like we did against Charlton, um, perfectly well, um, and you know we've got to kind of be quite savvy in how we do that. You know, as as we go on further into the season, if Bar's going to be playing more. Um, Chaff, one player who sort of stood out for me on Tuesday, stepping into that makeshift defence, which I think did quite well against a high flying Doncaster side. <laughs> Um, Aaron Morley, now he's not a centre-back, we know that, but he had a great performance, I thought. I thought he was probably our best player on the night. Um, do we see him there long-term, or, or do you think it was just a, a case of filling in, in in dire straits? I don't see him there long-term, if I'm honest, because I think he offers a lot more further up the pitch. Um, I actually think he, when we see him playing in midfield, or the defensive midfielder, I actually think we could probably benefit from him playing further up still. So I certainly don't see him as a, as a long-term centre-half. It's good to know that he can step in if needed, uh, a little bit like Jimmy Keoghan does. Um, and I, I too thought he was impressive on Tuesday. 
Um, and I give him man of the match, you know, a match report um, for that reason. And I thought he did well next to next to Roberts. But I also don't think Doncaster put them under a massive amount of pressure either. Um, and I think he's talented. I thought Roberts had a good game as well. But like we've seen in recent weeks, Roberts tends to struggle when there's a big man up against him. And Doncaster didn't have that. So they weren't under a lot of pressure physically. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was an impressive makeshift performance from from Aaron Marley, um, and I think we actually missed him playing further up the pitch because I don't think that helps with our lack of creativity either. Yeah, I think that's a good point to be honest. Um, it's not something that I've considered, but I think you're right. We struggled to sort of progress the ball, didn't we, from midfield to forwards. Uh, one player who, who you would hope would sort of step into that breach, Ryan, and 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 fulfil that role would be. Ollie Rathbone, um, but it, it was another sort of. I think both games, both against um, Wigan and Doncaster, Ollie felt like he was knocking on the door with nothing really happening for him. And although he worked really hard in both, tracked back really well in both games, I thought it still wasn't a great performance in either of those games from him, was it? You're stitching me up with Rathbone again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Tuesday was. It summed up what I see Rathbone as, and it's. A rat, he'll win the ball back, he'll run more than anyone else in the pitch, but he'll do absolutely nothing when he gets the ball. And I thought that was it. He just, there was that time when he, it looks dangerous when he, he's got space in the middle and the space to drive into and he can have a shot from the edge of a box. But aside from that, he's never going to play. You can imagine in training when we're doing a rondo, I bet he's always in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> He just gives a ball away and just wants to run in the middle and try and get the ball back. But it was just, it's frustrating because I think I've said it before, you expect someone who's come from, you know, the football and education he would have got United, you would have thought that given he's a centre midfielder, he'd be better on the ball than he is. And it's just not. And I think you were worried, sort of first few minutes we noticed it and we saw that we're not going to do anything from central midfield today because none of them can pick a pass. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good performance from Rathbone, but like I said, it summed him up. He's never going to create goals and score many goals for us. You know, I think not being at games really affects our view of Rathbone because it's so obvious that he's one of those players who just gives absolutely everything. And that is so much harder to quantify when you're watching on TV, isn't it? When you're in the ground and you can see someone sort of tearing up and down the field and it feels like for the last couple of years, the amount of times I think it's come to the end of a game and you've seen you've seen Rathbone sort of run up and close someone down in the corner in front of where we sit, actually, in the main stand. It's like, how has he still got that energy and how is he still driving? And when you're watching on TV, you don't really notice that anywhere near as much, I suppose. Great point. Yeah, and I think, like you said, not being there and not having the fans, I think when Rathbone will run about in a wimber ball, it'll get the most you know, standing ovations in a game because that's what a lot of fans like to see. And then that masks the fact that he's not really done a lot because you think, oh, everyone's reacted really well to Rathbone today. He must have had a good game. So it's one of them. I think I like him because I like what he brings to the team, but he's just not the player people think he is. I think that's, I think that's fair enough. I think we're seeing more of that this season. Um, Luke, Obviously, we're in the transfer window at the moment, uh, and there's been some news today with the signing of a new player. 
Gabriel Osho uh, signing on a loan deal from Luton Town. Um, obviously, we won't have seen much of him. He's been, he's been on loan at Yeovil. Uh, I think he came through Reading before before moving to Luton. Um, is this a is this a positive? I mean, obviously, like I say, we don't know loads about him, but we were all desperate for defensive reinforcements, weren't we? We brought in a defender, so it's definitely a positive. Um, yeah, a little bit unknown, as are a lot of loan signings that we've made in the past. Um, I think Reese Norrington Davis, he cut his, you know, he he was on loan at Barrow, weren't he? Got his experience. Um, similar kind of journey, I suppose, if you're going to compare the two as far as being alone at Yeovil. Um, he must have some ability about him to go from one championship club to another as well, I, w- I would imagine. So he must have a decent reputation in the game, uh, I would hope. Um, physically, he looks, he looks pretty sizable and whatnot. So it's definitely good news to bring someone in. It's the unknown, but a lot of our loan signings are, aren't they? And, um, you know, a lot of them have been successful. A lot of faith. I do have a lot of faith in BBM in, in spotting a player and, and knowing a player. Um, I think that's kind of right up there with regards to kind of um, you know the pros for for BBM. Um, so yeah, hopefully he can come straight in and um, and do a job for us. And, and Chaff sort of on the other side, maybe heading out. It looks like Quadro Bar could be leaving before the window's up. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean. His contract's up in the summer, so if he were to if he were to leave in the summer, which you'd probably expect, uh, we'd be entitled to some compensation. But because it, I think because he's not been with us for that long, it wouldn't actually be a huge compensation fee. Um, wh- where do you stand on that? How much would, do you think would be a good deal, basically, if he were to leave before the end of the window? What sort of fee would you be looking for if you were uh, if you were on the board? <laughs> I think. It's it's a difficult one because of the, the the situation that we find ourselves in with him and him being at perhaps at the end of the at the end of the summer, um, at the end of the season, I should say. Um, ideally, if you if you're going to lose him, you want to make a bit of money on him. Do we would we get more now than we would in the summer? I don't think anybody would know that at the moment. So, and if we do lose him now. For decent enough money, sort of. I'm thinking in terms of fee. I'm 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 thinking Dan had said type money, maybe three hundred, four hundred grand um, is the the figure. I think we'd snap the hands off if that come in, for example. Um, and we'd also get control over like um, sell on clauses and stuff like that. What you might not get. Um, much control over if you lose him and you get compensation so I think there will be I, th- I think if a bit if a decent bid comes in I think we'll, we'll we'll try and make it happen and it possibly gives a little bit more leeway for other players coming in if we can do it in a timely fashion it might free up a, a bit of money for other areas to be strengthened you don't know um, we saw that last last year didn't we with, with Matheson um, Matheson going in the window to Wolves and that allowed us to put a bid in for, for Hamilton at Mansfield and bring Lund back and stuff like that so it all has a bit of a knock on effect if it's me I'm trying to I'm trying to offload him this month in that sort of deal rather than losing him for what could be an extra nothing in the summer um, I think we have to get to come to terms with that as well that he's probably not going to be here beyond June 
um, as much of a shame as that is, because what we've seen in recent weeks, he's been a real breath of fresh air. He's exciting. Um, his agent seems to be a bit, playing a bit of a part as well in sort of getting his name out, out and about with that article that Luke showed us before. Um, so, yeah, I'm resigned to the fact that we won't see much more of him. I just hope that we don't have our pants pulled down over it. Um, and that, yeah, if it's if it's anything like a, a, a decent enough deal, then, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with it. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because none of us want to see him go. But at the end of the day, we know that he's not going to be around for a long time and we want to make sure that we can get the best deal possible. Um, which, you know, 350, 400 grand, he's worth a lot more than that. We all know it, but yeah. obviously the circumstances are with his contract up, it's better to get something than, than sort of leave it to the hands of, uh, of a tribunal or whatever. Um, I suppose the one good thing is with his agents touting him about a little bit is it could start a bidding war, which could drive the price back up a little bit again. So we'll see what happens over the next 10 days or so uh, before the window ends. Ryan, um, Chaff sort of touched on it there. So in, the, in order to sort of bring players in, it, it's likely that we will have to see Bar or others go. Um, and it seems that it's, it's the case that we're trying to move a couple of players on in order to be able to bring a few more in. Um, which players do you think are probably the ones that we're maybe touting out to other clubs that aren't really having much of an effect on the squad at the moment? Yeah, it's tough to really say. You'd imagine, you know, Dooley will be one, you'd imagine. I think we'd all probably say Dawn will be, but I can't imagine he is for the fact that he's... He's not great, but he's pretty versatile, and he'll probably, he's probably a big, a big help in the dressing room with it, his experience. But um, you'd imagine him. I think with a loan signing coming in, maybe McShane. You'd imagine we'll keep McNulty in and around the squad because BBM's touched on the fact that he's probably the next one, the next BBM, if you like. Um, so you'd imagine it'd be McShane over McNulty. Aside from that. I don't know, because I'm trying to think of a young lad send him out on loan, but I can't imagine that when we're sending players out to conference and conference north teams that they'd pay the wages, would they? Well, there's uh, a lot of teams not playing as well, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Pyramid, so. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I can only see it being Dooley, maybe Dawn, McShane. I can't think of any others we'd actually want to. Off, we've not got a big squad, have we? So, I can't think of many others. It should be an interesting few days before the window ends, though, either way, I suppose. Uh, hopefully, we get a few more in and, and maybe a few of those players uh, are moved on that, that aren't having a great season. Um, looking ahead, Luke, next two games, uh, Gillingham away, Oxford at home. Uh, what? How many points would you be targeting from these two games, given where we find ourselves in the table now? Um, I'd be delighted with four points, those two. Um, I think Oxford... I'm not sure where Oxford are in the league, to be honest, but um, I'm pretty sure they're lower than what their um, wage budget and uh, team sheet would suggest. Um, so it's always an interesting one. Um, and and Jill and Gimmer are just a solid outfit, aren't they, with Evans in charge? And um, I think a lot of Gillingham's strengths, unfortunately, naturally, would take advantage of our weaknesses uh, with how physical they are and, um, you know, dynamic. And we saw it with Akinde. He, he bullied us at the back and that was when we had O'Connell playing, who is arguably our most physical defender. 
Um, so I am a little bit worried about that aspect. Um, but I think I think four points would be a great return um, if we can. Um, I'd also like to see us just kind of be more, you know, make our improvements defensively and, and demonstrate that within our performances and, and goal, goals against Colin. Hopefully not to the detriment of the goals that we're scoring, but we have to strike a better balance there. And, you know, from a performance perspective, you know, um, if we don't get the four points, I'd like to see us make improvements at least with the parts of our play that we drastically need to improve. Because um, that'll board well as we go into the games that follow the next two as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I will say about Oxford's league position is they were rock bottom, I think, when we played them last time and they've hit quite a bit of form since. Um, right. so although they are struggling a little bit, I do think it's maybe a bit of a false position given mm-hmm. how they've done since then. But I wasn't impressed with them at all in that game, if I'm honest. I know we lost, but they looked like a relegation candidate. So hopefully we see a similar performance with, uh, to that, but we are able to take advantage. Um, looking ahead to that game on Saturday, I think we'll be doing another watch along. There's no eye follow commentary from Dale. Uh, there will be Gillingham commentary, but if you're looking for some uh, for some Dale fans uh, insight, I don't think we'll be quite as... Um, it won't be commentary like Martin and, uh, and Paul, but you'll be able to hear our, our inane ramblings as the game goes on if you want to. So just uh, head over to Twitter or Facebook and you'll get all the details there. Uh, also, our mates over at Daily Sports are doing a, a DJ set before the game on Saturday to get everyone in the mood before kickoff. Um, Reese told me to describe it, to describe the set as a mix between uh, Lytton Tree and Coco's. Um, yeah. Who cares about the result? <laughs> anyway, um, I guess that's that for this week's episode. We will come back next week uh, and chat through those games against Gillingham and Oxford. All that's left for me to say for now is thanks for joining me, chat. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Cheers, Ryan. Yeah, nice one, Dean. And cheers, Luke. Pleasure, lads. Catch you next time. Up the down. It is. It's terrible, in fact, when you think about it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to work for him. <laughs> eh? But you work every hour, you know, every hour God sends. For what? Curvature of the spine? To line his pockets, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs>